Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. I was uh, very shocked last night, but as someone pointed out to me on Twitter, well, happiness is mandatory. So here we are. First of all, I would like to congratulate everyone. Last night was the night, the first time ever, where all the all the cruise missiles that were sent to Kiev were struck down. Last night was the one in many nights where actually no airstrikes happened. Those people survived and those people still stand. We should be happy about that. Also, well, the rest of the front is mostly calcified. Igor Girkin is like complaining about the lack of fast defeats and whatever, but uh, hey. I believe that both of the armies are now cooperate, like recouping and focusing on gathering their strengths and trying to, you know, kind of regroup their forces. So this again gives us some more time to talk about some other stuff because if something crazy will happen at the front, then I'll tell you. One thing though, one thing though, which is important, I read on the Latvian media and on the Irish Times that United Nations has apparently banned the uses of the war, war and invasion when referring to, the, to this conflict. That is a lie. That is disinformation. And the Daily Mail reported this as well. Just saying. The Irish Times, I think it was Jans Dotelv and um, the Daily Mail. These people do not fact-check their news. This is disinformation and blatant lies with proof. So, you know, just saying. If you are subscribed to any of these newspapers, please let them know that, um, yeah, I fact-checked. And they still use the term war and everything. The only thing that has changed is the fact that um, they they kind of want to make it more clear and obvious to people. Yeah, they're on the Ukrainian side. So, you know, just so you wouldn't randomly think that the United Nations has done the most dumbest decision ever. This is their this is their way of uh, dividing us. This is their way of trying to make us all feel bad and divide us again. And I know, like, I I feel probably to you like if you watch the series The Colony, yeah, I feel feel to you like the random broadcaster over there. But uh, these things have to be taught. Also, a little bit of accounting before we get to this, because um, thank you, patrons, and thank you, supporters. I. I I did a bit of a splurging. I spent about uh, about 150 euros on on BattleTech stuff, which is my hobby. I like little mechs because we can't get this stuff in Latvia, and I had refunded this. So in total, I spent about 50 euros of your money on on buying me some hobby things. I hope you won't mind because well, I've I've spent so far about two and a half thousand euros on this trip both helping refugees, getting my hotels, getting everything ready. So, yeah, that that money on Battletech, I hope, doesn't hurt anyone. It's been quite expensive. And thank you for your support. I figured out that the um, thing that they don't tell me is that I have a button, of, if you listen to this on ACAST, which is called supportacast.com, and I just, they read all the letters there. And, and uh, yeah, apparently people have supported the show there as well, which is amazing and... Um, And, and yeah, thank thank you guys. And they 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 send me that stuff once per month. And wow, 
I, I had forgotten about this option even. The same as I had forgotten about YouTube, because apparently we are also on YouTube. Uh, we don't care about YouTube at all, because every episode we make out is demonetized, because we call things, you know, as they are. We call wars, war, deaths, deaths, and, well, you know, we speak about killing people, and people being maimed, and um, all that stuff that is not polite in today's society on YouTube. YouTube is a family-friendly place, except when little kids die, of course. But, um, you know, enough about that, that's that's my accounting. And that's all because of you, I just felt like today being the one day of the war when I literally followed today, today's news throughout all the day, and I couldn't find anything more important. I think that Ukrainians are grouping, Russians are grouping, and we will see major movements in the following days, and I will, of course, be, fo- be covering them. Why? Because someone has to. Also, when this is over... I will be turning all of this into a book. Why? Not because I want to, but because I feel like... Because I feel like there needs to be a complete chronicle of all of this. But what happened here was that a media site in Latvia got an anti-war demonstrators, Constantine's. Apparently Constantine's. Might as well be someone else's. Letter from Moscow, where he literally explained how the Moscow police worked in the Manezhny Ploshech and Manezh field. I don't know. Well, stadium field or something. And what do the Russians do with the protesters? And how they got tortured? If we can focus our attention on these things, then it's good. Because like 16,000 people have arrived to help in the Ukrainian Foreign Legion, which is great. Scottish people too. They posted a video on Twitter and they, um, they put bagpipes in the background. That was amazing. I loved it. But, uh, yeah, in total, in total, about 10,000 people have been arrested in Moscow. In the latest protests that I have news about, which happened in, in Sunday, I'm pretty sure they happened in Monday as well, around 4,350 people were arrested. But, of course, these are the Russian official sources, and they're not truth-friendly. And as Konstantin writes to Jauns.lv in his letter, According to, like, just after the Russian attack happened to Ukraine, in a lot of places of Russia, a lot of protests are happening against the war. In Moscow, every day they're happening, starting at at uh, at 7 p.m. That's 19.00 for my European friends. And, basically, from 3 p.m., 15.00, in, uh, in, in holidays in the city center. Mostly they happen in Moscow in the, Magye- the Manezhsky Ploshets. It's the menagerie, the place where horses run, not hippodrome, but I don't know, where, where you run horses around to do stuff in that square. That, that's, that's basically near Kremlin and the Red Square. And previously, the security forces in the, those uh, organized protests organized themselves according to various scenarios, and they understood, and, you know, the, these scenarios understood and um, realized by everyone. But now they have totally change the tactics and if you know these tactics then you can um, evade arrests and now we're turning into an educational protest uh, thing because if you are a russian person who listens to this show you might want to listen to the following very closely even if you can listen to us because your internet might be blocked 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. During the day, in the city center, there is practically no cops. Well, sorry. Well, they're there, but they don't, don't fall into your eyes except a couple of tens of buses which are just outside the exits of the metro stations Tietralnaya and Ohotny Ryad. The Red Square is open, there's a skating field and attractions and people work without any any kind of restrictions. Approximately at about 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. in workdays the cops start working. The, the cops are, are all aligned and they await orders about how much work awaits them. After that, they start to pull out metal metal barriers to fully block the Manierski Square and the Red, the Red Square and the Theater Square. Then they announce that they're going to close the Red Square. People are getting evicted from it. At the beginning, next to the History Museum building in the Red Square, the uh, specially trained police columns exit, which surround the square. And many buses with the cops and Avtazaki which are portable uh, prison stations. They arrive just next to the Manierski. On the other, on the both sides of Tversky, which is Tver Street, the these portable prisons are are being there, in placed, and a lot of cops just arrive there on the scene. The cops arrive in large numbers. Basically, they work in civilian. They arrive by one, no more than two. Everyone's super politely dressed and they stare at the people. Then they point out to the people in uniform who would be arrested. At the same time, there are, there are uh, in, in the exits of the metros, there are cops with megaphones who yell that to the Manier Square you can only go through the theater square. At that point, to get there, you have to go through various control points where the arrests begin. Then, after that, on the Tversky, on on kind of the pedestrian walks, uh, a lot of people uh, of cops start to walk, three or more, in civilian, and they start to stare at everyone around them. There are patrol cars in the in the sidewalks in the street next to it, and there's a lot of equipment for the arrested demonstrations. Talking about the equipment, we're talking about riot shields and bats and everything, and pepper spray to control the protesters. One thing, though, is that, for one, Rosguardia, the special internal security forces of Russia, the guys who beat up the protesters, basically, they were also sent into Ukraine, and they didn't expect to face any real fighting. They're like the SS squadrons, the people of the, the punishment battalions, who would just run in and beat up everyone and ensure control. Well, now, their vehicles got broken up, and turns out that, yes, indeed, Russia had brought an immense amount of equipment and everything into Ukraine to beat up the Ukrainian protesters. Well, what fun. Thankfully, they got stopped. But uh, carrying on. And after this happens, a mass arrest of everyone happens. First of all, they uh, arrest the groups of youngsters, various young people, uh, who are walking around more than five people. Everyone who stands on the street gets arrested. Then everyone with uh, with backpacks gets stopped and taken to these mo- mobile prisons. Then they start to arrest those who don't stand in one space but just walk around. Then they arrest everyone from the ages of 18 to 30. After a while, everyone 
who everyone who stands alone gets arrested it doesn't matter their age from 30 to basically being a retired person and when there's like 25 to 30 people in this mobile prison then everyone gets distributed to their police stations then the beatings begin spoke about the beatings and the torture last time right now we have more audio that states that um, these people are being called the enemies of the nation the protesters peaceful protesters which also reminds me the fact that uh, there's a lot of people who just want to blame nato for everything you know and i have to remind you that yes nato has done a bunch of bad things but um when george bush decided to invade iraq in 2003 then there were protests there were anti-war protests everywhere do you know what happened to these protesters? Nothing. They were there. They weren't beaten up. They weren't taken to mobile prisons. Their heads weren't smashed in. Their legs weren't broken. They weren't forced to sit on a bottle, which literally means there's an empty bottle of wine, and then you're forced to, uh, I'm sorry for this, uh, turn off this because I'm describing torture now, um, put your put the bottle inside your anus and then sit on it as it slowly expands and causes massive pain and internal bleeding it wasn't there yeah oh boy the advertiser is gonna love this episode but uh whatever you blame nato remember that uh you could protest against this war and you wouldn't weren't arrested and that uh yeah everyone who just defends putin blindly they're fools Sure, NATO are not the good guys always, of course, of course not. But uh, if you try to shift the blame, if you're going into a massive whataboutism, then uh, please unsubscribe. This is not the time for this. We are where we are, we need to solve the problem now. And we're talking about anti-war protesters being arrested and beaten, and they can't protest in their country. We're talking about people in Ukraine being bombed and shelled. And in the end, if you're so into this whole let's blame the West, then blame me too personally. Because I am happy and proud to be a part of the Western society. I am proud of my listeners, and I'm proud of what I'm doing here. And if you think that Lafayette does not deserve to exist, then I don't want to see, see you on my Twitter feed. I don't want to see you listening to this podcast. This show is not for you. This show is for people with conscience and common sense. До свидания, товарищ. And remember, happiness is mandatory. And once again, please, if you can, support the show. We are on PayPal, or just click the donate button on our webpage and order apparently somewhere on Acast. Or become our patron at patreon.com, the eastern border. I'm tired of saying this. Yeah, working hard. Let's hope everything in the world turns out for the better. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 